If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Ruth, the second chapter. We'll continue to kind of go through this Christmas season, this Advent season, looking at uh, this wonderful story and uh, found in the book of the book of Ruth. Uh, there was a girl one time, a young girl, a child. Uh, she made a rag doll. You know, she didn't have a lot of friends and she didn't have a lot of toys, so she herself made a rag doll that she could play with and carry around with her. And uh, and she did. And she made it. It was good. It was her best friend. She would play with it inside and outside. Everywhere she went, she would take this rag doll. The rag doll got worn and it got dirty. Uh, and on one occasion, her parents were going to go visit grandparents. The family was going to go visit relatives. Uh, they would not let this little girl take her rag doll. The rag doll was just too dirty and too worn out to be taken with them to the grandparents' house. Well, while they were gone, a huge torrential rainstorm came and flooded the area of that town, flooded her home. And when they were able to go back, the little girl discovered her worst fears had come true. That little rag doll had been swept away in the floodwaters. Now, as the town recovered and rebuilt, a little thrift store was set up. And this organization were selling items that they had found in the floodwaters. Now, it was just very reduced price, and all the money in the store went to help the community rebuild. So it was kind of non-profit. And the little girl walks in the store, and she sees sitting on the shelf her rag doll for 25 cents. She runs home, does a chore around the house. Dad gives her a quarter. She goes back. She buys the rag doll back. And takes it home. Now, as she's walking back home, here's what she is saying. I made you. I lost you. I bought you back. And now you're all mine. See, a sad story turned into a good story. I I made you. I lost you. I bought you back. And now you're all mine. I tell that story to introduce what we're talking about today. Because Ruth is a micro-picture of the grand narrative of the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God working in history and through history to redeem a people whom are lost. In a real sense, God has said, I made you. Now I have to explain this one. You know, God lost us not because of anything God did, but we turned our back on God. We are all lost because we have disobeyed God's word. So God made us, we're lost. God bought us back through Jesus Christ. And now those who have faith in Jesus are all his now and forever. That's the grand story from Genesis to Revelation in the whole Bible. The whole Bible. Ruth is a micro picture of that story. Where we're seeing this family, these two ladies, Naomi and Ruth. And last week, if you remember, uh, Elimelech moved his family away from God. Moved his family out of the God's promised land. Moved his family away from God's word, away from God's people. And there was a, some really bad consequences. And then we see Naomi bringing back, coming back to the promised land. And Ruth makes the decision, the wise decision to stay and come with her. And that's where we pick up the story. They're back in Bethlehem. And that's kind of in the chapter, at the end of chapter one. It is the time of harvest. It's harvesting of the barley. 
And we are going to see, as we read chapter 2, that in all of our circumstances, in every good times, bad times, uh, rebellious times, following times, in all of our circumstances, God sovereignly provides for his people. God is providing guidance and direction. God is working behind the scenes and, and kind of in front sometimes. The really cool thing about Ruth, there's no miracles in Ruth. God doesn't even verbally speak in the book of Ruth. I mean, you're reading the book and you read the Old Testament and you're like, man, God parted the Red Sea and spoke to his people. And you get to Ruth and God's not speaking. God's not doing miracles. But what you see is God working behind the scenes. God is orchestrating the very fine details of this family. God is orchestrating and guiding very sovereignly, controlling everything that's going on. He's putting the family and these individuals in the right places at the right times to accomplish his ultimate purpose. To accomplish his ultimate will, which is to maintain a royal line. Don't forget, Ruth is a part of the royal lineage of King David and Jesus. When Elimelech died, when his two sons, sick and dying, that's what those words mean, when they die, that royal line is dead. There's no other heirs. The line of David is dead. The line of Jesus is dead. So God is now working to restore that royal line and preserve his purpose and plan and he's always working he's working through those bad decisions he's working through those good decisions and so that's where we pick up and and we're just kind of like last week we're not going to read the whole chapter we're just going to kind of pull out some of the high notes as we go along but the first thing i want you to see is god provides divine direction he provides divine direction he has led them back to bethlehem at the harvest time that's not an accident it's, it's the harvest time. Now remember, Ruth and Naomi are husbandless. They got nobody to protect them or provide for them or get food. They have nothing in this culture. They're husbandless. They're homeless. They got nowhere to stay. They're helpless. They're hopeless. And they're hungry. If they would have showed up at any other time, there wouldn't have been a way for them to get food. But since they're showing up at the time of the harvest, the right time, the right place, they have been provided a way to get food. So God has provided divine direction. He's led them to Bethlehem at the right time. And he, through his word, has provided guidance in how they can have food. Uh, look at, starting in verse 2, verse 3a, chapter 2, verse 2. Ruth, the Moabitess, again, the author reminds us that she's a foreigner. That's significant. Ruth, the Moabitess, asked Naomi, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone whom I find favor? And Naomi answered, go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. Here's what you see. Naomi, if you go back to chapter one, Naomi is bitter. She thinks God has turned his back on her. She is like a Debbie Downer. I mean, that, that's who that's who Naomi is right now. She is just so full of hate and anger. She's just going to sit around and God gives me food. I'll eat it. If he doesn't, that's okay. He's just sitting there. She, 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 she's, just, she's a complainer. She's a downer. She's not going to do nothing. And Ruth is like, hey, we got to eat. So can I, can I go? Can I go provide? I love this. Ruth has got this heart to provide for Naomi. 
Ruth is like, can I, can I go glean the fields? Well, how would she know to do that? Because God's word has provided some instructions for those who are homeless and helpless and hungry and, and hopeless. In Leviticus 19, I'll just read this. In Leviticus 19, God says, when, and he's talking to landowners, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them, leave them for the poor and the resident alien. By the way, that's what Ruth is, a Moabite, resident alien. Naomi's poor, they're both poor. Uh, Ruth is a resident alien. And, and it says, I am the Lord your God. God has such a heart and a passion for the poor, downtrodden, homeless, helpless, hungry people. He has such a passion that in his word, he can instructs the people to, hey, take care of the weakest among you. Don't glean and harvest the edges of your field. Let the poor people come and work. And that, that's, that's what they can take. So God has provided a way for them to have food. Now, here's what you need to understand because uh, there's a very interesting phrase that Ruth says. One, she asked Naomi, but then she says, maybe I'll find favor. Maybe somebody will let me gather in their field. And you're like, well, God's word says she can, so why would she be worried about finding favor? Here's why. It's the time of the judges. Remember? It's the time when the people of God have completely ignored God's word. They're doing their own thing. They're doing, these, most of the landowners in Israel are trying to get as much as they can for themselves. They don't care about the poor and downtrodden people. It's dark days in the nation of Israel. It's a dark time when they're just, well, I know God's word says we're supposed to take care of the poor, but I gotta take care of mine. I gotta get mine. And so Ruth is like, I, I just, I just gotta find the right field. I just gotta find the right person. Maybe there's one person in Israel. Maybe there's just that one guy who is still godly. That one landowner who's gonna let the poor people glean from the edges of the field. Maybe there's just that one place. And so she sets out. Again, God's providing divine direction here, right? She just sets out and she's just walking around. She's like, that field looks good. I don't know. That field looks good. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm going to hop in behind this group. I'm going to go to this field. This group of harvesters, harvesters they're going to let me fall in behind and gather for them. Look at uh, the end of chapter 3, Ruth 3, the last part. She happened to be, I love it, she happened. Or yours might say, it just so happened or coincidentally or as luck would have it, it, she just ended up in a portion of the field belonging to the greatest name in the Bible except for Jesus, Boaz. Is that not like the awesomest name ever? I wish I'd have named my kid Boaz. I, I mean, I, I wanted to name him after me. That was ego. But I should have said, I'm going to name you Boaz Dry. That would have been awesome. Boaz. And if you've never heard, a little side note, if you've never heard a guy named Alistair Begg preach through Ruth, do it. Because there's nothing like listening to a Scottish accent say the name Boaz. It's just not, it's the, it's the awesomest thing ever. I love Boaz. She just so happened, just walking along, eh, I'm going to start here. Now, it just so happened makes it sound like coincidence, right? Makes it sound like as luck would have it. It literally reads, her chance chanced. That, that's the Hebrew rendering. Her chance chanced. Now, here's what you have to understand. The author is using this to emphasize the hand of God at work 
because the Jewish people do not believe in luck. They do not believe in coincidence. They do not believe that a chance would chance. It would be read by the original readers as this was the hand of God nudging Ruth to the right field, to the right place, because God provides divine direction. She could have gone to any field, and she ended up in a field belonging to Boaz. Here's what I want you to hear. Wherever you're at in life, whatever path you're wandering down, whatever decisions you're trying to make to provide for yourself and for your family, God has a direction for you to go. God has a path for you to take. God has a plan for you. But don't be like Naomi and just sit around and wait. Ruth did what she had to do. The only thing that she could do. That's what she got up and she went work to work. And God did the only thing that he can do. Which was provide her direction and led her to the right place. God will lead you down the right path. Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 16.9 I think. Or 916, I'm dyslexic. It's one of those. I think it's 169. Says that a man will plans his path, or the man's heart makes plans to go in a certain direction, but God guides his steps. Ruth had a plan, and God guided her steps in the right direction. God provides right direction. So she ends up in a field of a man named Boaz, which is important because that because of this, God now provides Divine provision and protection. God provides, through, through leading her to Boaz, he provides provision and protection. Look at verse 4. Uh, this won't be on the screen, but just look in your Bibles. Verse 4 says, when Boaz arrived, or the NIV translation says, just then Boaz arrived. Uh, one, one thing to just keep in mind, it's not necessarily like a chronological thing. Uh, these events are probably taking place in one day. And so Ruth has been working for most of the day. Uh, around lunchtime, Boaz shows up. Again, the author is emphasizing at just the right time of the story, at just the exact moment Boaz needed to show up, he shows up. Because if you read kind of what happens... Um, Ruth, Boaz is going to talk to the foreman. He's going to find out who this woman is. He takes an interest in her. Uh, he gets some information from his foreman. And then he calls her back. And he says, and, and I'm not going to read it all. You can read it in your Bible. He calls her back and says, you're going to stay here. You're going to glean in my field. I'm going to protect you from the men. In fact, I've told the men they're not allowed to touch you. And you can drink the water the men have gathered or drawn from the well. This is huge. It's huge. This is a culture where Jewish women always drew water for Jewish men. It's also a culture when foreign people had to draw water for Jewish people. And here Boaz is saying, no, no, you're not only going to not draw water, you're going to drink the water the men have drawn. He is showing her such great Favor, and he's letting her stay in his field, which is providing great provision, and then he's protecting her from the men. So, so we we don't know exactly what has happened throughout the day, but most scholars believe that she has been abused, or someone has attempted to abuse her while she's working. 
I mean, why, why would he say this? And so it's quite conceivable to think that she was walking away, that she was leaving the field. She's like, I've had enough of these people. And Boaz is like, wait a minute. He shows up at just the right time. See that? Wait a minute. No, don't go over there. Listen, those guys on that field, they're bad. You want to have provision and protection? You stay here with me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to let you gather food. Now, I love this because he also says, stay with my female servants. Watch this. This is really great. What he's saying is, you can now go glean and gather in the middle of the field. Poor people weren't allowed in the middle of the field. They had to stay on the edges of the field. So now Boaz is saying, no, no, you stay with my servants. My servants, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. They're not going to touch you. A foreign woman who was quite beautiful, we believe, who would have been very open to harassment and abuse, is now under the protection of a godly man. I want you to see, too, that when Boaz shows up, the first thing out of his mouth is a blessing. And his workers respond with a blessing. See, he says... I do want to read this to you. Boaz shows up in verse 4. And he says, the Lord be with you. Everything that he does shows that he's a godly man. And he's introduced to us with this phrase, the Lord be with you. Boaz is one of the few godly men in Israel. So God has now led Ruth to the right field, to the right man, who is who's a godly man. And he's providing for her and he's protecting her. That's huge. Huge. And if you read, she goes home with about enough food for Ruth and Naomi for a week. One day's work, she gathers enough food that will last both of them about a week. And she's going to do this every day during the harvest season. So she has some security. Watch this. She was husbandless, homeless, helpless. Hopeless and hungry. But because God has sent her to the right place, to the right man, she is now satisfied, safe, and secure. You see how God is working to do that? From the hungry, homeless, helpless, to the safe, satisfied, and secured. And she responds... With great humility, in verse 10, she falls flat on her face with her head to the ground. And she says, why? Why have you found favor? And, and Boaz just then prays a prayer over her. And I love this prayer. It's Ruth 2.12. Boaz, in response to her gratefulness, in response to her humility. By the way, there is an application here. When God provides for us, we need to be grateful. We need to be humble. We need to recognize the hand of God is at work and not be prideful and arrogant. We need to humbly confess and, and thank God for his provision. But here's what Boaz says in 2.12. May the Lord reward you for what you have done. And may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel. Watch this. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. I said it last week. You see it again. She's gone from foreigner to family member. That is just the awesome hand of God working. From foreigner, lost, idol worshiping, running away from God. And she's now a member of God's family, God's community because of her faith 
and because of God's righteous hand, sovereign hand at work. And we also see, we see that he provides divine direction, God provides divine provision and protection, and he also provides divine redemption. Divine redemption. Ruth heads home. Can you imagine down in the dumps, Debbie Downer, Naomi? I ain't got no food, don't know how I'm going to get it. And here comes Ruth walking in the door with a satchel, and she's, I got enough food for a week. And, And Naomi's like, Where'd you get this? He's like, well, there's this guy, and I just his name was Boaz. And then you can almost see, you can almost see Naomi in this moment begin to change. You can begin to see her go from bitterness to hatefulness to anger. To, she's having like a personal revival. Look at uh, two twenty. This is kind of going to sum up what her response is. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his loving, his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, This man, Boaz, this man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Her tone just, she's like, Oh, you got all this fruit. Boaz, 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 Boaz. I've been to a family reunion with Boaz. That's, he's in the clan of Elimelech. He is a redeemer, which I'll get to redeemer in a minute. She's having a personal revival as Naomi's beginning to see how the hand of God is at work. Chapter 1, verse 20, she's bitter. Chapter 2, verse 20, she's blessed. It's such an amazing turnaround when God is providing for us. The word, there's two things I need to point out to you in, in verse 20. She says, may the Lord bless him. Now, she's probably talking about Boaz and the Lord. She's talking about both. Bless him for his kindness. That word kindness is a very crucial word to understanding Ruth. You see it some in chapter 1, and you're going to see it again later. But it's the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. It's such a powerful word for the Old Testament. It's a word there is no English translate. There's no English word that can accurately tell us what that word means. It's translated here, kindness. It could have very easily have been uh, goodness, mercy, love, compassion, or covenantal loyalty or faithfulness. This word is an action word dealing with relationships. It is a relational word. Now, now just follow with me here. You need to understand this word to understand what this, the, this passage is talking about. It is performed, hesed is performed by a... To a situationally weaker person, a person who has found themselves in dire circumstances. They have a problem. They cannot fix it themselves. It's bad. Hesed is performed to that person from a more powerful person who is able to provide for them. So it's a, I'm going to give you something that's going to pull you out of the dire circumstances. That is what Boaz has done. That is the kind of love and mercy and compassion that he has shown to Ruth. But as you see it, this is where you see the picture of God. The ultimate action, the ultimate hesed action comes from God, right? God sees his people lost, wondering, desperate, in a dire situation. Listen, from the moment we're born, we're born into a dire situation because of sin. And God says, I love them. 
enough. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show grace to make a way for them to come home. By the way, the act of Hassad is always voluntary. Boaz could have looked at Ruth and said, I know what God's word says, but nobody else is following it. God could have looked at his people and he said, you know what? Y'all are just so messed up. I'm going to go to another planet and create some more people who will listen to me. God could have done that. But instead, he showed great love and compassion and made a way because he provided a kinsman redeemer. Naomi says, Boaz is a family or a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer has a few opportunities. It is a family member who can buy back or purchase or redeem. Here are the situations. They can buy back a family member who was sold into slavery. Again, that's in Leviticus 25. They can purchase land which had been sold under economic hardships. That's in Leviticus 25. They are, they, the kinsman redeemer can continue the family genealogy, the family name by marrying, uh, by marrying a family member whose husband has died. Now that's not, I mean, it seems like that's what's going on in Ruth, but that's not exactly it. Uh, the family marriage is usually a brother-in-law marrying his brother's wife. Okay, so that's very specific there, but that is a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer, this is a great one, could be a blood avenger. I was like, oh, you killed my brother? I'm the kinsman redeemer. See ya. That could be a kinsman redeemer. Again, spelled out in Numbers 35. What we see is God has orchestrated this to raise up a person in Boaz as the kinsman redeemer to practice Hesad and redeem them from their dire circumstances. That's God, right? That's what God has done for us. The picture in Ruth is a picture of what God has done for everybody here. He's raised up Jesus, the kinsman redeemer. And so in the middle of their hopelessness and their helplessness, God provided hope in the middle of our spiritual helplessness. In our spiritual hopelessness, God has provided hope through Jesus. Hope has come. The Prince of Peace has come. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. Because a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, has been, is born to restore us from a foreigner to God's family. That's huge. That's huge. Ephesians 2, Paul writes this. But God. (laughs) Naomi and Ruth were pretty bad off, but God. Paul writes, but God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love that he had shown us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display, look at this, He might display his immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. The the New Testament word is not hasad, but that's what you see. You know what the New Testament word is? Agape. Unconditional 
loving action. That God sent his son to be born and then to die for our sins. So that we could be restored from a dire circumstance. So that we could be rescued and brought home. God did that. He bought us back. Because Jesus paid the price. Because God loves us that much. That's the story of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth is the church. Boaz is God. Who sent Jesus to die for his people. Have you put your faith in Jesus? See, Ruth had to respond. Ruth had to step out on faith. We have to step out on faith. We have to put our faith in God's hand of grace. Have you done that? Do you know Jesus personally? Have you said, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to give all my life. Not this area, not this area, not just Sundays, but my whole life. I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to bring all my mess, all my sadness, all my sorrow, all my weaknesses. You know, I'm going to bring it all to him and I'm going to let him forgive me, him clean me up. All of it. Have you done that? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you accepted him as your savior? If not, the invitation is here today. He's inviting you into his family. He's saying, come, give your life to me. Follow my son into the waters of baptism. Make a decision today to accept the kinsman redeemer to move from homelessness, hopelessness, and helplessness to satisfied, safe. And eternally secured. Let's pray together. Father I thank you for your word. I thank you for this love story. This story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. It's such a good story. But it's a good story because we see your redemption. We see that you are always working. Behind the scenes to accomplish your purpose and your will. That you've been working behind the scenes in our life to lead us in a path. We just have to surrender that life to you. We have to step out on faith and follow you. So help us to do that. Help us to receive and accept your redemption. And draw us in from being foreigners and make us members of the family. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart and has blessed you through this message. If you would like more information about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please reach out to us at one of the following locations. You can visit us online at chinagrovefbc.com slash salvation or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash chinagrovefbc. Thank you and have a blessed rest of the day.